Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, well, as you take a seat and as our kids head back to Kids Church with Miss Rhonda, um, I'm going to invite you to take your Bible and go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, this is a passage that is probably familiar, even if you uh, maybe couldn't pinpoint it in your Bible as we get into it in just a moment. I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be familiar uh, ground to you. As, as I mentioned last week, what we're doing uh, today and, and the two following Sundays throughout the rest of, of January, we're simply going to break down what we've said is our purpose here. The, the three words that, that we've defined as, as the, the reason that we exist as a church and kind of the, the mission that we want to be about as First Baptist Church. And those, those three words are simply love, serve, and give. So we want to be a, a church that loves God and loves one another. We want to be a church that, that serves uh, selflessly. Whether that's inside these walls and in the ministries that we have going on or, or as representatives uh, from First Baptist Church, ambassadors from First Baptist Church to different areas uh, of our community. We want to be people that are about service, and we'll look at that next week. And then, then at the end of the month, we'll look at everyone's favorite topic, and that is giving, right? And, and how we, are, we believe we're called through the Word of God to be people who give sacrificially of our time, our talents, and, and our treasures, um, now, this, this morning, like I said, we're focusing on, on love, and, and there are really two aspects to, to this. That is, we want to be people that love God completely, and we want to be people that love others compassionately. And, and as we'll see this morning, those two things are very uh, closely connected. So, so the way that we love God will show itself in the way we love others, and the way we love others will demonstrate how we love God, now, the, the word love is an interesting term in the English language. It's a term that gets thrown around a lot, right? Um, so, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love pizza, I loved the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> okay. Love baseball, right? It's, it's a word we throw around a lot. Now, what's interesting is, is when you look at the, the biblical languages in, in the Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, there are actually different words that would define uh, like brotherly love or selfless love or, um, or even that, that erotic sensual love. Whereas in, in the English language, we would just say love for everything. The, the Greek actually has different words that, that would describe that. Um, so, so what do we do with this? Because when we say, um, I love God, I love my wife, I love pizza, if, if a word can mean anything, it often ends up meaning nothing, right? And so, so what I want to do for us, I'm not, I'm not advocating that you stop using that word, just that you consider how you use it, and, and primarily that you let your wife know that you love her in a different way than you love pizza. And if you don't, um, I'm in my office from 9 to noon on Mondays through Thursdays, case. <laughs> Set up an appointment with me. We need to talk, all right, if, if, if your, your wife is feeling, you know, neglected because of your love for pizza. Um, so what we're going to do this morning, it, I don't think we're going to, like, break any new ground in your life, right? We're going to, like, so, like I said, we're in a passage that's familiar. Um, hopefully I don't say anything this morning where it's just like, 
I've never thought of it that way before. Like, we're talking about loving God, okay? This is like one of the most basic things in the Christian life. And yet, I think there's great value in going back to the basics. The story is told about um, that legendary uh, coach of the Green Bay Packers, Vince Lombardi, who on the first day of training camp every year to his uh, professional football player athletes before him, He would begin training camp the same way every year. He would hold up a football, and he would say, Gentlemen, this is a football. Because he was trying to communicate something to his players. And that was that no matter how much money you make, no matter how much fame you garnish, no matter how complex this game may be, if if you don't grasp the fundamentals, you're not going to be any good. And I just think there's some application for us there in our spiritual lives as well. No, no matter how complex um, the spiritual life becomes, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that because I think a lot of the complexity is oftentimes not good for us. If we don't grasp the fundamentals, we're going to miss the boat. And so that's why this morning we're going to turn to a, a passage that was foundational for uh, the, the Jewish followers of God. A passage that they would have had memorized, a passage that they would have recited Every day. And that is this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. This passage that's called the Shema, which uh, comes from the Hebrew word that that is the first word in the passage. And in my my Bible, that's simply this listen. This passage is called the Shema. It's, It's literally, it's a call to listen to these words. And so let's stand together as we read uh, these words together. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. The Bible says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and, set, and, and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Let's pray. Father, first of all, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken clearly to us through your word. And so now, even thousands of years after it was written, it still carries weight for us. It carries authority for us. It carries your truth. And so I pray this morning that that as we look at this familiar passage, that we would consider the clarity, we would consider the simplicity of knowing your word, of obeying this command to love you with every fiber of our being. We know we don't do that well. We know that we often fall short of that. And so, Uh, We thank you for your grace and your mercy that's available to us through Christ Jesus. And I pray this morning you would open our eyes to see how we can love you more completely and we can love others more compassionately in this new year. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. All right, so so we come to this, uh, this passage, this Shema. Uh, as I said, a passage that, that uh, Jewish followers of, of 
God would have uh, recited every day as a reminder to themselves the, of how, how they are to be about loving God. And, and, and as we'll see, uh, as maybe we are prone to do, they, they tended to kind of major on some minor points of this uh, and, and oftentimes I think miss the, the bigger picture. But the first thing we see here, right out of the bat, uh, we see that uh, this, uh, this passage declaring, listen Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It's simple, but I think we need to be reminded of this. As believers, we are called to love God completely. We're called to love God completely. And, and the things that he mentions here, uh, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, were meant to be all-encompassing of a person. To, to love God with everything we are. Now what's important that we do here is, is to st- take a step back and realize this is not just uh, some legalistic call to, um, to, to be about loving God. Because the Bible will always tell us that we love God in response to his love for us. As we were going through our Christmas series, we saw this as we looked at the, the Garden of Eden. And when Adam and Eve sinned, we saw that God pursued them in the garden. We're told in Genesis 3 that the Lord came walking in the garden to find his people. He he didn't wait for them to get up the courage to come uh, to him and say, look, we messed up. God came pursuing them. And throughout Scripture, you will see uh, this pattern. That God initiates the relationship. God, God initiates by showing his love to other people. It's true in Genesis 12 when we're introduced to a gentleman named Abram. It's true in the New Testament when God sends his son to come rescue a lost and dying world. Um, see, God always takes the initiative in showing us his love. Otherwise, we would never be able to experience it. A couple places we see this. 1 John 4.10, and a couple places in the New Testament anyway. Uh, 1 John 4.10. John writes here, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5.8, one that's probably familiar to you, this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he simply says, but God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God always takes the initiative in showing his love to his people. So so we love God then, not out of some innate goodness that's in you that's not in your neighbor. We, We love God out of response to his revealing himself to us, to his revealing his truth to us. We love God out of response to his love for us. And, and so in this, in this simple passage, we see just a couple of things. Uh, first of all, we see that we love God internally. So it's supposed to be an, an internal love uh, of God. That's why, that's why the, the writer here says, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. As we get into a passage in a minute where Jesus 
quoted this, he'll actually add your mind to that. Now, if you notice, those are all, those are all internal things, right? I mean, so, so we, we love God with who we are. But of course, we know that, that simply loving God on the inside is, is not what we're called to. We're also called to love God externally. And that's where the rest of this passage goes. Now, now let me be real clear. These are not mutually exclusive. So, so like, I, I don't think you, you wake up in the morning and go, hmm, you know, I think I'm going to love God internally today, so I'm just not going to tell anybody. Um, I'm just going to love him all by myself today. I'm going to love him in my mind. That, that's not the way it works because we are not... Um, we're not compartmentalized beings, okay? And, and if, you've ever, uh, if you've ever, like, experienced um, uh, a lot of stress in your life, I think you'll realize this, right? Like, we, we don't get to compartmentalize things. If you break your big toe, that's going to affect the rest of your body, okay? N- namely, you'll, you'll walk with a limp, and, and your body's going to compensate for that. Anybody ever had, like, a, like a bum knee or a bad shoulder, and you, you compensated for that to the point that you wore the other one out? trying to, right? Shouldn't you have surgery on that? Oh, no, I'll be fine. It'll be all right, right? <laughs> what happens? You wear the other one out. We're, we're, we're not compartmentalized beings. We are, we are holistic beings. Meaning, if, if I'm stressed about something, even though that's an emotion, it, it's most likely going to affect me in some physical way. It, meaning, in, in my case, a little knot that I get in my shoulder, right? So, so an emotional thing can affect me physically. So, so we don't just simply say, well, well today I'm going to love God internally, and I'm just, I'm just not going to let that show in my actions, right? Now, if you've been in church uh, for, for long, you've probably met somebody who, who, well, I would question whether or not they love God internally, but that may be their excuse, right? How are you today, brother? I'm just fine. Awesome. So happy to be here. Cool. Um, and so he starts off, he talks about our, our internal motivations. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then verse 6, he moves outward. Let these words I'm giving you today, uh, these words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Now there's some stories of, of some uh, Jewish believers who, who would actually take this to, to quite a literal level. Um, and then, so, so really quickly, you, you can just listen to this. This isn't on the screen. Um, but in, in the book of Joshua... As the, Joshua is getting ready to lead the children of Israel to, to conquer the promised land. Joshua gives a command that's very similar to this in Joshua 1.8. He says simply, This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you, can be, so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and, have, and succeed in whatever you do. It's a reminder to be reciting, to be recalling the, the Word of God. 
Now, in the case of, of some Jewish followers, they would actually go uh, to, to the extreme of hanging little boxes on their clothes that contain these verses, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. So, so when it would say, um, you know, bind them as a sign on your hand, that they, they would actually have, like, on their clothes a little box where they had bound these words. Now, it's all well and good if, if that's a reminder of God's love and his faithfulness to you. That's not okay if you can walk around saying, look, God loves me. See, God loves me more than you because I don't see, a, I don't see a, you wearing a box on your clothing, right? And we've always kind of been drawn to those things, right? So I was, I was a, a, a teenager in the 90s uh, when the WWJD movement Took, took over. Some of you millennials have no idea what I'm talking about. It, w- it was a Christian cultural phenomenon. Um, coming out of this book that was actually written in the 1890s uh, by a guy named Charles Sheldon called In His Steps. Um, oddly enough, I just read this. That was the first book that I read in, in 2019. Um, so I'm, I'm not like advocating we bring back the WWJD bracelets or anything like that. But, but the whole point of, of this novel, this book that that, uh, that Charles Sheldon wrote. It was a story uh, that, uh, about some characters that, that he made up who, who just considered for their lives what would it look like if we lived every day as Jesus would. We're, we simply just ask in our lives, what would Jesus do before we make a decision? So about 100 years after he writes this book, uh, it, it catches on. And I mean, you walk into Walmart, you could find like WWJD bracelets. There was a Christian CD uh, there were books that were written. It, it took off. And, and, and like those things tend to do, there, there was, it started off as a good movement. It became just a, just a fad. I remember a, a guy I played football with who wore a bracelet. I said, oh, hey, that's awesome. Do you know what that means? Oh, I, it's, it's just good luck. It's really not, but okay. And so this is not a, this is not a call to, to goofy lengths. Rather, it's a call for us to consider the importance of God's word day in and day out. And so listen, I don't think this is a hard and fast rule, but if you're building a new house, you need to go and, and write Bible verses like on the beams before the sheetrock goes up. I've, I've known some folks who've done that. There's nothing wrong with it. If, if you want to do that and you want to, I mean, you, you want to write Bible verses on the beams of your house, go for it. But unless there's a, an inner motivation of when I look at that wall, I, I want to be reminded that, that I, behind that I've written God's word on it. And that's a, that's a reminder to me of God's faithfulness to our family. That, that's the whole point he's getting at here, that, that we... We can take external actions to express our love for God and also to remind us of the love that God has for us. And and I like the way that that they go about this here. He says, um, repeat them to your children. Generally speaking, you're going to be saying something to your children, right? So so why not repeat them the, the, the word of God? And then he goes on and he and we see the way that, that this was, the Word of God was to be incorporated into their lives. So what we don't see was, hey, family, let's carve out like an hour of our day, and we're just going to sit around reciting memory verses. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but, 
but, but rather what it is is they were incorporating this into their day. Look, so um, talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. The command here was for the, the Word of God to be forefront in people's minds, and they were to pass it along to, to their children so that the Word of God would be in the forefront of their minds. So that they might be reminded of who God is. And that they, that might lead them to love the Lord with everything that they are. Find them as a sign on your hand. I always kind of thought of that as, you, you know, it's the old uh, uh, tie, a, uh, just tie a ribbon around your finger so that you remember um, whatever it is you wanted to remember. Unless you're like, George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life, and or, um, it was his uncle, right, who always had like something tied around his finger and then couldn't ever remember what he tied it there for. For us, maybe it's, it's as simple as setting a reminder on our phones to alert us with a Bible verse. There's all kind of apps. If you use the, the YouVersion Bible app, you can set it to, to remind you to uh, just a pop-up notification will show up with the verse of the day. You can even just set a reminder to, hey, stop and pray. Take, take a minute. Take 30 seconds to just pause and, and give God glory. There would be people who, who aren't content just to, well, you know, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. Everything's good. But that we would be pursuing him. We would be expressing that love for him. But then, as I said, it doesn't stop with us. The, our love for God never stops with us. Um, I've shared this quote before. I think it's great. Uh, a guy by the name of Kenneth Boa who wrote a, uh, just a book on spiritual formation in the early 2000s called Conform to His Image. He, he wrote, there's no act of loving God that doesn't have as its end the love of neighbor. There, there's no act of loving God that doesn't have as its end the love of neighbor. In other words, God's love is supposed to pour out of us to others. We, we are to be funnels, not barrels. As we come to love God more, that should, that should cause us to love others better. Or as we've said, as we, as we come to love God completely, that should cause us to love others more compassionately. And, and I know what you're thinking. You may be here and you've said, Kyle, have you met people? Yes. People aren't always lovable, right? And, and, and that's the point. And I think if we, if we, we stopped and did any kind of self-reflection whatsoever, we, we would say sometimes we are people as well. And there just might be times that we ourselves are not so lovable. And yet that takes us right back to the truth of the gospel, right? God, God did not come and say, listen, you, you make yourself lovable and then I can deal with you. You, you got to fix some of this junk in your life and, and then we can talk. Rather, it says, well, we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He pursued us. He loved us even while we were not lovable. And that's the point. In fact, these things are so closely uh, connected together that when Jesus was confronted by one of the teachers of the law, when Jesus was asked 
what the most important command in the law was. He gave not one, but two commands. When you're the son of God, you can do stuff like that, right? Like, <laughs> what's the most important command? It's this one, and this one's right, 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 right there with it, okay? So uh, Mark chapter 12. It says, one of the scribes approached. When he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which command is the most important of all? Now, now it's interesting to note that that this scribe is trying to trap Jesus. So they they keep trying to do this, and Jesus, as, as it says here, he keeps answering them well. To the point that they're frustrated. So, so finally this guy hatches a bright idea. I know. I'll ask him what the most important command is. And it doesn't really matter what he answers. But, because if he elevates one command above the others, we can, we can accuse him of blasphemy. It's perfect. Let's do it. It's a foolproof plan. Jesus, which command is the most important of all? And like you, I imagine everybody kind of stopping and pausing. And guys like taking out their notebooks, like we gotta, we gotta record this. Is it do not murder? Because if you say that do not murder is the most important, you obviously approve of adultery, right? So there you go, we got gotcha. you. Or what about keeping the Sabbath or, or, or not worshiping any, any God other than, than Yahweh? And this is how Jesus answered. The most important is listen, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Takes him back to this Shema. But wait, there's more. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Now what's interesting is that that what Jesus just did is in two sentences, he sums up the entire Old Testament law. If we even just think of, of Exodus 20 and, and the Ten Commandments that are given, by, by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, Jesus sums up the first four that deal with our vertical relationship with God. And by saying, love your neighbor as yourself, he sums up the last six, which deal with our horizontal uh, relationships with other people. So in other words, if I truly love someone, I'm not going to kill them. If, if, if I truly love someone as myself, I'm not going to steal from them. I'm, I'm not going to covet what they have. I'm not going to commit adultery with them or against them. If I'm loving my parents as, my, as myself, I'm going to obey them. I'm going to honor them through the way I live. It's so simple, and yet it's not, right? So, so what, what are we to be about as the people of God? We're to be about loving God and loving others. Cool, you mean, you mean that's it? Yeah, that's it. When do I conquer it? You don't, and that's the point. That, that's where the grace of God comes in. Because we will never, like, you will never nail this, Right? And if you ever reach a point where you do, that's pride, and that's going to affect your relationship with God and other people. And so my, my simple um, prayer this morning would be that we, as the people of God, are seeking to do just what this passage says, that we would love the Lord our God with everything we are.
as we come to know more of his love for us. That, that happens a couple of ways. That happens as we're in his word. As we're reading God's story, as we're reading about his love for us in pursuing his people and sending Christ to, to live the perfect life that we couldn't live, to die the perfect death that, that we that, die that death that we deserve so that we could be reconciled to God once for all. It, it happens as we spend time in prayer with him, getting, getting to talk and, and getting to listen to what he would say to us. It happens, hopefully, as we're around God's people, as we're coming to learn what it means to love God and to follow him more closely, as we come to love one another. Now, now listen. I've been in churches my whole life. I've been in Southern Baptist churches my whole life, okay? Sometimes we as God's people don't always get along, right? It's a, it's a matter of life. I think that's why we call ourselves a church family because sometimes families don't always get along. But, but here's, here's what I'm learning. Slowly, because I'm a little hard-headed, it's, it's taken me a while, but, but here's what I'm learning. When we don't get along, we have a wonderful opportunity to come to love one another better. See, see, I wonder how much we miss out on when we say, well, well, I don't get along with that person, so I'm just not going to deal with them anymore. Again, I'm, I'm really glad that's not the way God handles us, right? Like, this is the 14th time he did that. It's the 14th time he said he's sorry, I'm done. I'm just, I'm, like, he keeps begging me for all this stuff. I just don't want to, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to talk to him anymore. Aren't you glad that God doesn't do that to us when we're difficult? Rather, we, when, when stuff happens and we, just, we don't see eye to eye or, or maybe we don't agree, maybe we just kind of you know, rub each other the wrong way, we have the opportunity to love one another better. And in so doing, we'll come to reflect God's love more clearly to each other and to those around us watching. So let us be people who love well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, the, the simple command that we have to love you with everything we are and then that, that Jesus tied it in so closely to our love for others. And I thank you for that simple statement. That there's, there's no greater commandment in the law than these things, to love you and to love one another. Help us to not become so arrogant that we want to dive into deeper things while missing these. Remind us that it doesn't matter what kind of theology we know or what kind of long uh, terms we can define if we miss these things. And wanting to grow deeper in our relationship with you, help us to not neglect the basics. Let us be people who are growing in our relationship with you, growing in our love for you. And that as we do so, we are showing that love to others around us. We know it sounds so simple, and yet it's, it can be so difficult in practice. So we thank you for patience, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your grace and your mercy.
the fact that you are still working on us. You're not done with us yet. And help us to rest in that truth as well. We ask all these things in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.